The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Is this the year of the rat? Because a lot of crazy stuff is coming out about China. I'm Adrian Slate. Thanks for tuning in. Now, we are told by people like CEO of the biggest hedge fund in the world, BlackRock, Larry Fink, that China is the model. Uncertainty. Markets don't like uncertainty. Markets like actually totalitarian governments where you have a uh, understanding of what's out there and obviously we're uh, the whole dimension is changing now with uh, as you said a democratization of uh, of countries and and democracies are very messy as we know in the United States uh, you have opinions changing back and forth it's just it, you have to force behaviors and if you don't force behaviors whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not recruiting. It is development, as Ken said. How do you force change, though? I mean, Larry, BlackRock has, has really been the forefront of the ESG movement within, within corporate governance and a real leader. And yet change is so slow. So what is, uh, and, and Ken as well, what, how do you force change when it is so incremental and so gradual? Um, how do you do something more radical? Have you thought about that? Has the board of American Express thought about more radical things we could do to enhance diversity and inclusion? Because it has to be imbued in the culture of a firm. It has to be talked about. It has to be shown. Behaviors across the entire firm in every region have to be similar. And every citizen of the firm has to understand what is acceptable behaviors and what are unacceptable behaviors. We have a business in China. We are trying to build Chinese savings like we build savings in every other country. Um, we work with them on retirement. We work with them on trying to build a better future for their, for their um, uh, citizens by building a retirement market. They own over $2.1 trillion of U.S. Uh, securities, the Chinese does. I mean, there, this is a very interconnected relationship. Well, today we manage $8.5 trillion. <laughs> oh, people but, realize that that's quite a, that countries do not have that. No, but none of it is our money. Not a penny of it is our money. It's and that guy, listen to all the stuff he said. They Markets love totalitarian systems because that gives them the result that they want. Ultimate cronyism right there. And China, that's what they do. They give this air of capitalism on the surface, but government entities have to be involved in every business. So you're allowed to have a little bit of success. You know, they're going to dangle a little bit of freedom out for you. But at the end of the day, they're going to take it all away. And then, of course, he goes out to say that they're not even using, they're using your money, your pension money. Go through your pension fund and see how many investments are made towards BlackRock? And they can dictate behaviors. That's what ESG is all about. Environmental, social, and governance. This is why you're witnessing pride from every business in the globe. Every business is celebrating it. You know, they're pulling out their boobs on the White House lawn and giving you all this kink that they didn't put in the Little Mermaid, apparently. One writer said that there wasn't enough kink in the 
the live action Little Mermaid that Disney put out, but Disney's going to regret that because their ESG score might get affected. That's what is causing all of this. ESG, environmental, social, and governance. And the S part is the part that they're pressuring with the pride campaign. And so we're in this situation where we've got the Chinese model being praised by financial elites and they want to get climate change on the environmental side. They want trannies in the boardroom or in the classroom. They want Rachel Levine in the, in the government. That's the G part, governance, social. They, you know, they're pushing the equity garbage. You know, all equity is is uh, it's a Marxist move. Everything they're doing is rooted in Marxism, and that's what these companies want because then they get to – they don't like – unfettered capitalism because it's too uncertain. Some rando out here might build a better hedge fund, you know, might design a a collection of assets together that will yield more of a profit for you and use that as the new hedge fund that could take BlackRock out. Ah, we got to have certainty. We can't have competition show up. We can't have disruptors, which is funny because I, I always talk about millennials and how they're, a lot of them are very, hypocritical because they say they want to be a disruptor. You know, they want to get in and change the system and be known for doing something new and brave and different. You know, they want to be Theranos or they want to be, uh, what's the other disruptor? We works. If you go watch that, they want to come in and change the system with new innovation and tech, but yet they always turn around and they're like FTX where they're giving their money to all these stupid charities, like climate change charities and ends up being political running money to political campaigns for authoritarian leaders like we have with the, in the White House when they're arresting their political opponents over trumped-up charges, no pun intended, which we were told by Mike Lee, no, you don't want to lock up Hillary Clinton because you'll look like a banana republic. We don't want to set that precedent. Re- Democrats went ahead and did it, and idiots who are disrupting the system are the ones helping fund these campaigns. But then they want the system to be so controlled by the government that you can't really disrupt it because it's going to give you the results that you yield. It's going to keep out competition and it's going to make you the good little citizen. So ESG is just a step towards the social credit system that they have in China because you can't borrow money from an entity if you don't have a good ESG score. You can't. And the ESG scam is ridiculous because the crazy part about it is there are tobacco companies out there that have better ESG scores than Tesla. (laughs) How do you make that up? I'm serious. I mean, you have one of the best electric vehicles in the planet designed perfectly as far as that tech goes where we are right now. Now, it's still got a long way to go. But (laughs) they actually have... Tobacco companies that have better ESG scores than an electric car company. I don't even know how you make that up, but that's where we are. And so we have to look at the fact that China is the model. And we have a lot of activity from China lately. First and foremost, everybody's uh, plant-based uh, meat you know, farmer, uh, Bill Gates who's uh, Mr. Microsoft, 
Uh, he's going to China. He's going to meet with Xi Jinping over this weekend. From Reuters, the meeting will mark Xi's first meeting with a foreign private entrepreneur in recent years. The people said that the encounter may be one-on-one meetings. A third source confirmed that they would meet without providing further details. Gates tweeted on Wednesday that he had landed in Beijing for the first time in since 2019. Hmm, that was right before the pandemic, which his foundation wargamed in New York for an event called Event 201. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. We also had John Hopkins University World Economic Forum doing a pandemic uh, drill right before an actual pandemic. These guys are like freaking Nostradamus. But then he also went to Epstein Island and come to find out his presence at Epstein Island was pretty significant. So, so, you know, there's probably some great blackmail out on Bill Gates, but he's going to meet with G. Maybe he's going to help them build these, uh, you know, get the ideas for how China has done its social credit monitoring systems and improve upon them so he can bring them back here to the United States. I mean, what they're looking to do that China is doing is Orwellian. And we're going to show you some examples. It'll blow your mind because we always hear people talk about it. But when you actually hear real life reports and you actually hear some of the uh, some of the details, then it gets really scary. It hits kind of home. But we also have to realize that while Bill Gates is going to China to meet with Xi, just like he did in 2019, that we're finding out that, yes, the uh, pandemic was uh, a situation from a lab leak. We've been talking about this for years, a couple years now. But yeah, apparently the lab leak was real and that it wasn't fake news and it was a combination Oh, yeah. Here's here's the article from (laughs) I couldn't remember if I had it still from the free beacon S&P Global to the London Stock Exchange. Tobacco companies are crushing Tesla in the ESG ratings. How could cigarettes, which kill over eight million a year, be deemed a more ethical investment than electric cars? It's because tobacco is going woke. And they don't like the fact that, uh, you know, that. Elon Musk bought Twitter and allowed free speech back on the platform. They couldn't suppress the information that they've been suppressing about the Wuhan Chinese lab that leaked out the coronavirus. Listen to this. A new report from the Government Accountability Office found that the United States funded COVID research in Wuhan and other entities in China. According to the watchdog group, the NIAD ran by Anthony Fauci and the NIH, where Fauci's wife worked, both funded research on the COVID virus in China. Now, this investigation was finally conducted after Representative Mike Turner and Brad Westup of uh, Ohio demanded it. (laughs) It's insane. And of course, Bill Gates jumps in on the vaccine side, which we find out we're getting more evidence that, well, some sudden deaths caused by COVID-19 vaccine autopsies confirm. This is from the Epoch Times. Some sudden deaths were caused by COVID-19 vaccines. Autopsies have confirmed eight people who died suddenly after receiving a messenger RNA, mRNA, COVID-19 vaccine 
died due to a type of vaccine-induced heart inflammation called myocarditis. South Korean authorities said after reviewing the autopsies, quote, the vaccine-related myocarditis was the only possible cause of death. Dr. Kai Hong Kim of, uh, of Chinoman uh, National University Hospital uh, and other South Korean researchers have verified all of the sudden cardiac deaths occurred in people age 45 or younger, including a 33-year-old man who died just one day after receiving the second dose of Moderna's vaccine and a 30-year-old woman who died three days after receiving the first dose of the Pfizer shot. So um, myocarditis wasn't suspected as a clinical diagnosis or cause of death before the autopsies, the researchers say. But that's the thing. We're finding out all types of things about the vaccines that Bill Gates was pushing. And now he's over there meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. Yeah, listen to this. This is uh, pretty, pretty startling stuff here. Um, Pfizer released documents admitting to 1.6 million adverse events through 2022 from the COVID vaccine. 508,351 individual case reports of adverse events containing 1,597,673 events. One third of the adverse events were classified as serious, well above the standard for safety signals, usually pegged at 15%. Women reported adverse events three times the rate of men. 60% of the reports were either outcome unknown or not recovered. So many of the injuries were just, you know, transient. They didn't really go into the full details. But we're learning that 700 and uh, was it 73,542 vascular disorders, 686,000, no, 696,508 nervous system disorders, 61,518 eye disorders, 47,000 ear disorders, 225,000 skin and tissue disorders, 178,000 reproductive disorders, 190,000 respiratory disorders, 77,000 psychiatric disorders, 127,000 cardiac disorders, 100,000 blood disorders, and 3,711 tumors were all attributed to the COVID vax. Unbelievable. So on the other side of this break, we're going to get into the social monitoring system that China has with some stunning reports. Stick with us. This is Adrian Slade. In Shanghai, life is going back to normal. But caution remains high and new tools are being used to avoid a second wave of infections. QR codes have now become the passports that allow Chinese people to move around. To get into a shop, one must show a green health code proving good health. This is obtained by scanning a mosaic through a mobile app. The green health code depends on a number of different factors, including travel history in the last 14 days. For the customers, the system is reassuring. But for those who obtain a red code and are in good health, no explanation is given. This is the case for this man, who had no one to appeal to when he just finished quarantine after a trip to a different province. The precautionary measures are reinforcing the Chinese state's surveillance. After analyzing the code of one of these apps, this journalist found that once registered, the user's data was handed over to the police. There's nothing on the app 
to tell you that the police are in any way involved. It says that this is a government service, but then it doesn't sort of specify beyond that. So it's pretty surprising to then see this beacon that's immediately going to police. Has the pandemic become an opportunity for China to boost surveillance of its citizens? According to the authorities, these are just exceptional measures. And that was just China during the pandemic. But they haven't let any of that go. Heck, they had surveillance before the pandemic that they started from their lab that they tried to cover up and act like, no, it wasn't us. Um, but that's okay. Bill Gates and Clippy from Microsoft, they're going down there to talk to Xi Jinping. Maybe they're going to discuss how communist China can better spy on the United States from communist Cuba. What? Really? Yeah, look, look at this. From Politico. China using secret base in Cuba to spy on the U.S., Biden administration official confirms. Which is funny because the Biden administration, for the longest time over the last couple of months, said that that wasn't happening. wonder how much money Xi Jinping had to deposit into Hunter and Joe Biden and Ashley Biden's bank accounts to uh, make him say that. But China has been spying on the United States from a base in Cuba. The Biden administration officials uh, told Politico claiming that this is an issue that the administration inherited. Oh, so it was Trump's fault. The Wall Street Journal, followed by Political and other outlets, reported that China had been in conversations with Havana to establish a new spy base in the island nation. That same day, the White House and the Pentagon said the reporting was inaccurate without going into details. And then an administration official clarified by saying that the Chinese base in Cuba has already been established, noting that it didn't happen on their watch. That just It was the other guy. The, what did Rush Limbaugh used to say about Bill Clinton? The buck never got here. The administration official, who was granted anonymity to discuss a sensitive subject, said the Chinese spying effort has been an ongoing concern and that the U.S. has been taking steps to deal with it. You know, kind of like watching a balloon fly across from Alaska, going over sensitive military targets in the United States, and waiting till it's off the coast of Myrtle Beach to blow it out of the sky. But, you know, this is what we're dealing with. They are placating China. China's playing the real game. China has the infrastructure to keep its people under its thumb. It's got a digital currency. It's got monitoring facial recognition technology, cameras all over the place, and now it's got social credit scores, and they want to bring all that crap here. Here's the thing. When you have electric cars that are all on the grid, eventually they're going to design them to where they can just shut them off when the government wants you to shut it off. Oh, you know, they've got credit cards now that will stop your spending if your ESG score is violated. You know, oh, you didn't buy a climate-friendly product, so we're going to have to disallow that. What's going to happen if you're driving too much and you're too much of a burden on the grid or your ESG score isn't good? They shut your car down, kind of like those e-scooters in China, where once they go out of a certain boundary line, they just shut off and people just start falling off the bike. They can do that with your electric cars. They can do that with your electric stoves. Your ESG score is bad. Yeah, it looks like you're going to be uh, eating cold leftovers there, cat. You think I'm being hyperbolic and, and being overreactive, but no, this is real. Let's take a look at what they're doing in China. 
So I've got a couple clips, and it's going to give you a bigger scope of the social credit score, its impact on its citizens. Let's listen to the first clip. In some of China's largest cities, a high-tech effort is underway to bust low-level offenders, jaywalkers. Cameras record them going through intersections, zero in on their face, and then publicly shame them on nearby video screens. It's all part of the Chinese government's new social credit system, where people's daily behavior is monitored and rated. I think it's a good thing, this woman said. It makes people more honest. But this social credit rating goes far beyond a traditional credit score, which is based on your finances. China's version factors in everything from jaywalking to smoking on trains to buying too many video games. If your score gets too low, you can be banned from buying plane tickets, renting a house, or getting a loan. Nearly 15 million people have already been prevented from traveling. Journalist Leo Hu is one of them. He recently tried to book a flight, but was told he couldn't because he was on the list of untrustworthy people. I can't buy property. My child can't go to private school. He says, "You feel like you're being controlled by the list all the time." It can recognize more than 4,000 vehicles. Chinese technology firms such as SenseTime are helping the government effort by developing advanced cameras that use artificial intelligence to track just about everything. This knows every person, every bike, every car, every bus that goes through the frame. You can tell whether it is an adult, a child, a male or female. Police in Beijing have been wearing these glasses that can recognize faces linked to the government's national database to help boost arrests. How advanced is this technology? This is cutting edge. Wu Fei is CEO of a company that makes the glasses. He claims he doesn't know how the government intends to use his technology. I have no idea. Really? Yes. Do you trust the government the way they're using your technology? Sorry, I can't answer this. You can't answer that.、Uh, uh, this is the outside our scope of questions. So, for simply jaywalking, which none of us do, right? <laughs> You're going to be publicly shamed on a giant LED. Uh, in the middle of the town square, with your face up there, and then if you're an investigative reporter, don't try to get to the bottom of any government corruption. Don't look for five million being put in Hunter Biden's bank account by a foreign national that's also bri- being bribed、uh, by our sitting president for policy initiatives.、Um, because then you won't buy property, and your kid's going to have to stay in that school with the drag queens. Who are、uh, teabagging them during in the cafeteria during lunchtime, and then the、uh, the porn books that they're pushing so that they can make your child gay or mentally、uh, sexually depraved by introducing them to BDSM and all types of、uh, depraved sexual lifestyles. But you know what? That's okay. Let's bring on s- some authoritarian government, right, Larry Fink, that can make your business stay intact. Larry Fink, that guy—it's just unbelievable. Dictating behaviors, he says he's not judgmental in government actions, but he is with business actions. But then the Communist Party in China is the business, and the governmental actions that he's forcing here in the United States on、uh, climate, energy, and things like that 
he's actually doing. So he's lying, right? But think about if you're on, because they said, you know, if you're on a train and you're smoking one of those uh, high ESG scored tobacco products that are out doing Tesla electric cars, listen to this friendly message in on a Chinese train about what can happen to your credit score if you're smoking on the train. You know, maybe they'll just ding you so hard you have to get out and walk. Listen to this. Ladies and gentlemen, for the safety of railway operations, smoking is strictly prohibited on the train. And please do not use perfume, hairspray, and other spray products in the toilet. These behaviors will trigger the smoke alarm system and affect train operations. Smoking on the train would be fined from 500 to 2,001 according to the regulations on railway safety depending on the circumstances. Meanwhile, it would be credited to the personal credit information system according to the regulations on credit information industry and would be imposed restrictions on ticket purchase in 180 days. For your good personal credit, Please obey relevant national laws and regulations and regulations of the railway company. Please don't smoke on the CRH train. Thank you for your cooperation. So that's in action. You being on a train and the social credit score being uh, warned about through a friendly little message. But, you know, Larry Fink's not going to hit you with the lack of capital for putting the Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps, you know, because he's not political with that. But you can get out and walk if you're, you know, smoking cigarettes on a train, which, I mean, you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes on a train anyways. (laughs) But the fact that it could affect your buying power is pretty amazing. And, And listen to another report. They talk about how they monitor what you buy in the grocery store. Think about digital currency again. They can, they can follow your currency, your spending. You want to buy a gun? Eh. Even though it's a Second Amendment right that should not be infringed, we just don't like guns, and you might be a threat to our power. So if we see that you're buying guns, maybe we'll just disallow that purchase. They can do that. They can actually program <clears throat> what kind of purchases you can have or the expiration of currency. Say they give you a stimulus a a covid stimulus they can make that expire when they want to so you have to buy it but maybe you can't buy whatever you want to buy maybe you couldn't have been one of those people to throw the money into amc stock and quadruple your money when you're helping defeat the bank run or defeat the uh short-term investment runs that were being run against it maybe that's not going to be considered a legitimate purchase with your COVID stimulus money, which is essentially them giving back your tax money. This is authoritarianism. Listen to this other report about the Chinese social credit score. Human rights activist Hu Jia is already blacklisted. Deprived of his passport for 10 years, his movements are limited. He says the social credit system will allow authorities to more easily punish those who do not pledge allegiance to the party. 
In China, the people who will lose the most credit are those who do not agree with the Communist Party. We can't criticize society or the current system, nor should we say bad things about the highest levels of power and the leader. In fact, this social harmony desired by the party is set to maintain the stability of society, but it only serves to guarantee the monopoly of its power. For China's population, already scrutinized by the country's 170 million surveillance cameras, the social credit system only signals a further decline in freedom. If you listen to that, these people could have power indefinitely. They can go ahead and vote themselves back into office and then, hey, do like Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and just get rid of term limits and be president forever. Have your administration go on and on. Pass it down. And you can't even have the right to petition, the right to assemble. All of the constitutional rights are out the window if they allow this kind of system to be implemented in the United States. And to say that they won't, to say that they never will, we're not even operating on the Constitution as we speak. This, this administration's rule of thumb is play chicken with the Constitution. Do whatever you want to do until somebody challenges it in court. Just, yeah, who cares about the Constitution? We'll do this, we'll do that. And then if somebody has the balls to challenge it in court and it gets knocked down, oh, that's when we'll take our defeat. That's when we'll stop. And so if they have this kind of system, none of that's even going to be allowed. You couldn't, you will have to eat bugs and walk to work. And you'll be renting a shack, a basement in somebody's house because you won't be able to buy property. You won't, they're going to monitor what you're eating, what you're buying in stores. You're not going to be able to take public transportation or fly out of the country. That's ridiculous. That's against what our constitutional republic was designed to be. But the international conglomerates around the world who uh, helped get Biden installed that's what they want, because they want to be able to keep making the money without any competition. They want a government that they can have implement whatever policy they want. They don't have to lobby anymore. It, it's, it's unbelievable. So we have one more clip that I wanted to play, and uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Actually, I've got two more. Let's go with two more. Check this one out. She lives in Nanjing, a testing ground for social ranking. Married with a child, she has a job in a retirement home, no debts, and she wouldn't dream of jaywalking. As a good citizen, I respect the rules of the road. If I didn't, I'd lose points on my social credit. In theory, everything can be taken into account in the social score, even the most innocuous errands like supermarket shopping. When Xiaowen Wang makes an electronic payment, her purchases tell the state a lot about her. Buying cigarettes would count against her. On the other hand, nappies show she's an attentive mother. Beer could indicate alcoholism. She'd be better off buying water. In this pilot city of 8 million people, there are only 18,000 model citizens. For Xiaowen Wang, there are perks to be had, such as paying half price for the bus. I get discounts for all public services, even at museums. And the library is free for me, thanks to my school. A good school brings benefits, but people with low scores lose rights. The cinema names and shames people considered untrustworthy, plastering their details, even their addresses across big screens. 
It's a matter of principle. Those people have to be condemned. Those people aren't honest, so they have to pay the price. It's only right to pay your debts. You have to blacklist those that don't. The Supreme Court has created a blacklist for so-called bad citizens, those whose ratings have dropped to zero. On it are companies, but also 23 million people to date. Among them is this journalist Liu Hu. He got a little too close to uncovering corruption among high-profile party members. After being sued for defamation by the subject of a story he'd written, he was blacklisted. He only realized when he tried to buy a train ticket and was told he was banned from traveling. That tells me I'm still on the blacklist. Punished because he's been branded untrustworthy by the state. Once you're blacklisted, you can no longer get a bank loan, start a business, buy an apartment. And just to, to bring it on home, listen to this last clip. So this should give you a full scope of what China deals with. You know, China is the country, again, rounding up the Uyghur Muslim population, putting them in concentration camps. We did a show probably a couple years ago on China, destroying the megachurches of Christians. Christian underground services are having to happen because you can't be an open Christian in China. And if you do have a church that you're allowed to have, Pictures of Jesus Christ have to have a picture of Xi Jinping right next to it. That's nothing communist about that at all, is it? Yes, listen to this last clip. Dandan's criminal, academic, and medical records will feed into her score, as well as state security assessments. Her shopping habits will be another measure. Her score could even change in real time depending on what she puts in her trolley. Buy a lot of alcohol suggests dependence. Lose a couple of points. Buy a pack of nappies, gain a few, suggests responsibility. Late on mortgage payments or your tax return, lose a lot more. Yeah, again, you can't shop or do anything in China without them knowing what you're buying. And whether or not, and, and that's the thing is, a lot of people in China, in China, you'll hear in these clips, they're very subservient to that because they've grown, that's their culture. They've been, you know, generations have been groomed into government subservience and, and government uh, coercion. But what's interesting is it, it, they always say, well, you know, I think it's a good thing because it makes people a good person. Who is defining what is good and what is wrong? What is good could be, topless trannies on the on the lawn of the white house because they don't want kids to kill themselves what is good can be clothing lines of lgbtq uh statements designed by satanist in target what is good to them is not what's good to us as christians or as conservatives what is good is subjective and is defined by the people in power when you have a free republic what is good is defined by what we believe and what our faith teaches us, not what the government does, because, you know, Hunter Biden doing blow off the back of a hooker and leaving his crack pipe in a rental car is considered good for him and not for us. But a lot of countries have allowed China to infect their country because of their Belt and Road Initiative. Basically, they went in, China went into these third world countries 
and decided, hey, look, we'll spend our money and we'll build infrastructure, Wi-Fi, roads, bridges, uh, power grids. We'll do all this stuff for you and bring you up to date. But, you know, you'll have to work with us on some stuff. You know, no problem there. It's just a communist country directing society, right? What Larry Fink said, to build societies, you know, we have to uh, get that untapped market that was using all of our intellectual property that was stolen by the communist China. We have to tap into those billions of people so we can make more money. To hell with the American allegiance or fidelity to the Constitution. So these other countries have been working with China to innovate. And now, from Fortune magazine, listen to this, a dozen poor countries are facing uh, economic instability and even collapse under the weight of hundreds of billions of dollars in foreign loans, much of them from the world's biggest and most unforgiving government leader, China. Unbelievable. An Associated Press analysis of a dozen countries most indebted to China including Pakistan, Kenya, um, Zambia, Laos, Mongolia, found paying back that debt is consuming an even greater amount of the tax revenue needed to keep schools open, provide electricity, and pay for food and fuel. And it's draining foreign currency reserves these countries use to pay interest on those loans, leaving some with just months before their money is gone. Behind the scenes is China's relent, uh, reluctance to forgive debt and its extreme secrecy about how much money it has loaned and on what terms, which has kept other major lend, uh, uh, lenders from stepping in to help. On top of that is the recent discovery that borrowers have been required to put cash in hidden escrow accounts that push China to the front of the line of creditors to be paid. Unbelievable. You, this is what happens when you do business with the Chinese government. That's all I can say. I mean, countries in uh, AP's analysis had as much as 50% of their foreign loans from China and most devoting more than a third. Um, in Pakistan, millions of textile workers have been laid off because the country has too much foreign debt and can't afford to keep the electricity on and machines running. In Kenya, the government has held back paychecks of thousands of civil service workers to save cash to pay foreign loans. The president's chief economic advisor tweeted last month, salaries are default, take your pick. Since Sri Lanka defaulted about a year ago, a half million industrial jobs have vanished, inflation has pierced 50%, and more than half the population in many parts of the country has fallen into poverty. Experts predict that unless China begins to soften its stance on its loans to poor countries, soften China, there could be a wave of more defaults and political upheavals. It's, this is, I mean, this is what happens when you do business with a communist country. And we have a government that is installed with the Chamber of Commerce and the Democrat Party Marxist that is actively funded by China. Individually, I mean, you've got Mitch McConnell's wife doing business with China. Devin Archer, the stepson of uh, John Kerry and Hunter Biden, son of the president doing business with China. You have tons of people doing business with China. 
It's crazy. So back to the article. In a lot of the world, the clock has hit midnight, said Harvard economist Ken Rugoff. China has moved in and has left this geopolitical instability that could have long-lasting effects. A case study of how it has played out is in Zambia, a landlocked country with 20, uh, 20 million people in southern Africa that just over the past two decades has borrowed billions of dollars from Chinese state-owned banks to build dams, railways, and roads. The loans boasted, uh, boosted Zambia's economy, but also raised foreign interest payments so high there was little left for the government forcing it to cut spending on health care, social services, and subsidies for farmers for seed and fertilizer. In the past, under such circumstances, big government lenders such as U.S., Japan, and France would work out deals to forgive some debt, with each lender disclosing clearly what they were owed and on what terms, and so no one would feel cheated. But China, they didn't play by those rules. It refused at first to even join in multilateral, uh, multinational talks, negotiating separately with Zambia and insisting on confidentiality that barred the country from telling non-Chinese lenders the terms of the loans and whether China had devised a way of muscling to the front of the repayment line. Amid this confusion, in 2020, a group of non-Chinese leaders refused desperate pleas from Zambia to suspend interest payments even for a few months. That refusal added to the drain on Zambia's foreign cash reserves. Crazy. The stash of mostly U.S. dollars that it used to pay interest on loans and to buy major commodities like oil um, by November 2020, uh, with little reserves left, Zambia stopped paying the interest and defaulted locking it out of future borrowing and setting off a vicious cycle of spending cuts and deepening poverty. Inflation in Zambia has since soared 50%. Unemployment has hit a 17-year high, and the nation's currency has lost 30% of its value in just seven months. A United Nations estimate of Zambia not getting enough uh, enough food has nearly tripled so far this year to $3.5 billion. And that's coming for us, gang. We're going to be running into the same situation if we allow China to continue to move in the fashion that it is. It's clear to me that this bioweapon that gave them a leg up on the entire globe was leaked, but was it really leaked? And when you have international conglomerates, hedge funds that are taking your money, your your, uh, investments, and using that to push influence and doing business in China, we got a big problem. Because no one is showing allegiance to the Constitution or to America. Everyone's acting in their own interest and falling for a mafia coercion scam like ESG pushed by mafia-style communists like China. And we better recognize this before we become the United States of the Communist Party. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker. You can also follow me on Twitter at Adrian Slade Show. God bless.